just continuing on with uh, God's big camping trip, which I like because I know some moms like to camp. Some of you have various forms and ideas of camping. Last week we were talking about uh, the smell of God in the camp. That uh, God's big camping trip's better because there's a certain aroma um, that always accompanied the people. As we talked about the um, golden altar of incense, which, Mike, I actually have that one in there this week, so you could put that up. We talked, uh, it's the next one. Oh, don't tell me. It's not there. Never mind. <laughs> Technology. We had, we had problems, or I had problems with it this morning. Do you know when it says, would you like to update this morning? Shouldn't have done that. So um, I wanted you guys to see just what uh, a picture of the um, golden altar of incense looked like. We were supposed to have that up last week, and I thought I had it ready today, but uh, you'll have to wait for another time. Um, so the idea of what we've been talking about is this, um, this campsite that, that God says to the children of Israel in Exodus 25, 8 through 9, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all of its furnishings, just so you shall make it. And, and I, I love to dwell on that and think about the fact that our God wants to dwell with us. Let, let that sink in for a minute, that there are a lot of religions in the world that, that have all sorts of different ideas, but our God not only wants to dwell with us, but that he's also made the way by which we can dwell with him that sin has been actually dealt with. Sin has been taken care of, and, and as we go through this, um, we, we've been looking at it from the standpoint of uh, this is in the center of the camp, and the center of the camp is set apart for the king in, in that time that the, the, the significance of being in the center of the camp would be to say, that's our king, and here's our king, he's dwelling in the midst of, of us. Um, when we look at this and, and say in verse or in Exodus 25 there, the, the verse that I read, it says the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all of its furnishings, just so you shall make it. That, that phrase, a pattern, is talking about a copy and a shadow of the heavenly. And as we study the Old Testament, we find understanding and application in the New Testament that we shouldn't just say, gee, I don't understand this Old Testament stuff. There's so much imagery. There's so many phraseology. There's so many things that I don't understand. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that the more you study the old, the more the new makes more sense. Because there's so many connections. There's so many things. And we're going to look at some of those connections as we proceed here today. Because after studying about the tabernacle now for some months... Now in my daily reading, as, as I'm going through different things, I'm just like, things are popping out at me. I'm like, oh, 
that. There's another one. You know, there's, there's a place there where they're referring to, to these things because it was so much a part of the Jewish culture, and, and it's something that they just, it just rolled off the tongue. And for us, it's something that doesn't naturally relate to, to our lives. And so when we go in to look at some of this stuff, we tend to bump over the top of it instead of studying it, meditating on it, trying to figure out, okay, God, what are you speaking to us in this? So as we talk about the smell of God in the camp last week, we were talking about the fact that when man fell, the spirit of man was basically, the lights were turned off. Uh, the spirit of man could not properly relate to God because the, the spirit died. And, and so what God was left with is people with five senses. And so how he started relating to them is, was in a very sense-structured way. There's all of these things, and we've talked about that as we've studied the tabernacle. There were so many things that would be sights, sounds, there'd be touching, and, and those things that, that they'd relate to. But the smell, as we talked about that last week, that smell, they used to think we, we could only discern between 10,000 smells. And uh, I shared with you last week that recent studies show that it's over a trillion, at least, I should say it's at least a trillion different smells that our sense of smell can, can uh, discern between. And so when you start thinking about that and you start realizing that God was using smells in the process of this, of awakening the spirit of man, to this relationship with him and, and that there would be all sorts of things that trigger that. And, and we talked about the fact that how many of you, there, are there smells that trigger things for you, memories that, that you go back to and, and you think, oh, you know, and, and I, my, one of my favorite places is the Oregon coast. And every once in a while, God sends a, a, a smell of the Oregon coast clear over here to Wyoming. And I go, oh, the beach. Fortunately, I haven't been able to, well, I don't know if it's fortunately or not, but uh, haven't been able to recreate the smell of my grandmother's house when I was a little kid growing up. But I shared with you guys that um, most of that was overcooked green beans and bacon and buttermilk and cornbread type of smells all mixed together with whatever perfume she had. So God uses the smell to stimulate the senses of the Israelites. And again, this is a shadow. It's a, it's a shadow of the heavenly reality that, that God's working with. And the golden altar of incense is a physical expression of spiritual truth. So we, we've got to press in to understand. We can't just go, I don't get it. I don't understand. Uh, we need to press in. We need to try and understand why did God put it there? Because we're told that all scripture is given by God and is profitable for us. So it's up to us to dig into that. So we must be bold to press in and to lay hold. And, and that made me think of Philippians 3, 12 through 14 that says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And, and I'm going to stop there for a moment and, and just review again that this idea of pressing in is when we talked about the tabernacle and we talk about the outer court and the brazen altar and then we talk about the bronze laver and 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 there's this process Mike can you put that back up there real quick 
there's this process of God's leading us through that gate to the brazen altar, uh, to the bronze laver, and then the priest would go in the door of the, the tabernacle, and it's not a door as we would think of a door. It's, it's a, a four-layer curtain that, that they would go through. It would be dark in there except for the golden lampstand on the left. It would be then the table of showbread or the bread of presence that's basically saying uh, the people of Israel, all of their tribes are represented. There's 12 loaves of bread right there, and those are always put in fresh every week. The lampstand has to be tended um, at least a couple times per day. That's where the wicks are trimmed, the oil's filled. And at the same time that they do the lamp, then they would be taking care of the altar of the golden altar of incense. And they figured that that would be a half pound of incense that would be put on that golden altar each time that they tended the lamps. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Hey, and, and you even found it where it says built for square. Hey, there you go. Tabernacle series, there you go. So, um, and I'll come back to that if you leave that up there. But the idea is, is that, that God is leading us into something. It's not a matter of, okay, show up at the brazen altar, make your sacrifice, and it's done. No, there's this process of God setting us up, understanding that he wants to take us in. He wants the priest to understand that eventually they get to go into the Holy of Holies. But they are going in daily, several times daily, going into this holy place and, and ministering there on behalf of the people. And as we look at that, when, when I read Philippians 3, 12 through 14, not that I have already attained, now, now I look at that from the standpoint of the tabernacle. Not that I have already gotten exactly where God wants to lead me, which is into the Holy of Holies, but I'm pressing in. I'm not standing out at the brazen altar sacrificing for my sins over and over and over again. I'm pressing into the fullness of what Jesus laid hold of my life for. So when I, when I read, that's why I was telling you guys, as, as I study this, more and more this just opens up. And it, it, he says, brethren, I do not count myself to have, have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Laying hold of the instruction of God in the imagery of the tabernacle is what we're trying to do here. We're, we're seeing that the imagery of the tabernacle speaks something to us even today. It's not something just for back then. God was setting all this up, the imagery, so the shadow of those things of the heavenly, we would be able to understand the, the reality of what's going on in heaven. And ultimately, to better lay hold of his purpose for me. So... When we talk about the smell of God's camp is better, it's better because the smell of, of God's camp speaks of intercession and prayer. Why is intercession and prayer better? Or how do we know that that's what it's talking about when it's talking about incense? Well, David in Psalm 141.2 said, Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Was David relating to the, the worship in the tabernacle or the worship in the temple at that time? 
At that, at, at that time, I can tell you the temple hadn't been built because Solomon, his son, hadn't built the temple yet. And so what was going on is David was still thinking in terms of the tabernacle. And he's saying, let my prayer be set before you as the incense that is constantly burning in your presence. This is hundreds of years later. David regarded prayer to be like incense, the evening sacrifice and raising his hands equating that to worship and in, in in the sacrifice that was made. And there are more scriptures related to incense and prayer that we will reference here soon. But I wanted to look at Moses and in intercession, for example, because in Numbers 16, there's a really good reference here, and I'm not going to read the whole thing for you this morning. I'm going to reference the story and tell you it's in Numbers 16, or the stories, and you can look this all up in Numbers 16 later if you like. But um, two different times in Numbers, Mo, in, in Numbers 16, that Moses interceded for the congregation in spite of, and this is important, <laughs> in spite of their alignment with those who would usurp Moses' authority and reject God's authority. So here we have Moses interceding for people that basically want to kill him. I don't know about you, but I'm not usually given to interceding for people that don't like me. But here's Moses two different times in number 16 where he intercedes for the people. The second time, Moses, there's, there's a, a bad thing that happened. What, what happened is this is the, the time when uh, basically the people come and, and say, what's so special about you guys? Why do you guys get to be leaders? What's up with that? And, and so they had a little showdown, a little showdown at the tabernacle, and 250 men died that thought they were pretty cool. And Moses and Aaron are still standing there. And uh, the day, a day later, the people are like, those were all our elders. Those were all of our, those, those were like the leaders of our, tribes those were the leaders of our clans those were important people what what's up with you guys what are you doing this stuff for and it's in that framework that a plague breaks out among the people and Moses instructs Aaron to take he he's essentially saying this Moses run or Aaron run in to the golden altar of incense, get a little bit of it, bring it out in the midst of the people where the plague is, that the plague might be stopped. So if you guys could get the picture of running in, you know, it's like people are dying. And Moses is saying, we got to stop this thing. The only way to stop it is to run into the golden altar of incense. And you guys are thinking, I don't know, maybe you're not, but I do. I'm thinking... Why is the golden altar of incense the magic potion? You know, what's going on here? But, and we'll get to that here in a moment. But as he runs in, and then he's running out into the midst of the people, and if you can imagine running into a place where people are literally dying of the plague, usually we don't want to run where the plague is, right? He's running in there with the, the incense, and, and he gets to that place, and the plague stops. And this is Moses interceding 
on behalf of the people. It's a shadow of what, of what God was going to do. In fact, I would suggest to you guys that there's a plague that's still going on in this world. It's the plague of sin. And people are dying in their sin. Tomorrow there, there's a, a memorial service for a young man that most of you heard about who jumped off the Buffalo Bill Dam. Very, very tragic situation. Jesus needs to be in the center of where the plague is being released. The plague of sin has to be stopped. And Jesus is that incense. Jesus is that impartation of God's grace. He is the aroma of life. Is this making sense? Okay, I got one over here that says yes. And I, I want to talk about Jesus and intercession. And John 17 is a great location to talk about that. But <clears throat> I want to talk about the golden altar speaks to us of the worship of Jesus Christ and God's people through him as our high priest and mediator. It was only on the basis of his one sacrifice on the altar of the cross that worship is made possible. See, the, the other worship system was many daily sacrifices being made. And that was all a picture of what was going to take place is God was sending his son to pay the price once and for all. The coals which lit the incense, were carried from the altar of sacrifice to the altar of incense. The golden altar of incense tells us of the ministry of Jesus, our intercessor, whose prayers never stop ascending to God on, on our behalf. You know, for instance, Jesus said to Peter when he was, when he was walking this earth, I have prayed for you. You know, the, Satan wants to sift you like wheat, Peter. I have prayed for you. One of the things about um, the golden altar of incense is they talk about, and, and I like this because it has it kind of illustrated, is that you've got the uh, crown represented around the four corners there. You've got four horns or four points on there, and, then, and that all symbolizes the crown, just like the brazen altar uh, represents the crown, the, the price that's paid by the king and the place where the king is interceding for us. Four horns represent the four corners of the earth. The four horns speak of Christ's ministry extending to the four corners of the earth. He will always pray for his own, no matter where they are. He can intercede on our behalf because of the atoning work that he did for us on the cross. The incense was fueled by the fire from the altar, like I said. It's not just anyone praying for us, but the king himself is represented by the crown of gold. He knows our weaknesses and our failings, and he is always praying for us. Let me give you some scriptures that, that reinforce this. John 17, 9 through 10 says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours and all are mine. 
are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Luke 22, 31 through 32, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. John 17, 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Well, isn't that a picture of Jesus, the, the incense, the presence of Jesus coming into that very place where the plague is to keep us from the evil one, to stop that force of evil in our lives? Hebrews 7.25, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives, listen to this, church, since he always lives to make intercession for us. And 1 John 2.1, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Then we get into Revelation 5.8 where it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense. Golden bowls full of incense. This is, this is where this makes a, a real turn for us. That it's not just Jesus interceding church. It's talking about these golden bowls of, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. It's our prayers. It's our intercessions. It's the aroma of God's church praying. Revelation 8, 3 through 4 says, Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. So I know the imagery is difficult for us. It's not something that we just easily relate to, but I think it's, it's important that we push in and, and we try to understand what's God saying to us. And, and first of all, I think God's saying to us that the golden altar of incense tells us of the ministry of Jesus as our intercessor whose prayers never stop ascending to God for us. Jesus then, in us, becomes the hope of glory, according to Colossians 1.27, because this ministry that Jesus has, has now been imparted to us, through us, that our intercessions become that aroma that's ascending before God, that's making a difference in this world. Takes on new meaning as we see Jesus taking the incense of prayer, not just here in this building, but where we end up in the midst of a family that needs prayer. You know, when, when somebody has a family tragedy, they're often very open to our prayers. And I would encourage you, don't do the I'll be praying for you and leave them there. I would encourage you, church, can we pray right now and then keep praying for them? But take the opportunity to allow the incense of Jesus Christ to be lit up in you at that moment.
that, that there would be this, you know, like I talked about, those, those, that smell of God, you know, where we relate to different smells of our childhood and things like that, that there might be something that would trigger that smell in people's lives to where they have a desire. I need more of God. You know, oftentimes people say to me, I, I, I need to get back to church. Well, I don't know how you get back to church if you are the church. But you may need to get back to the gathering so that you can be strengthened in the gathering of the church. But you're already the church. You're a believer. You, you are a saint. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 10, in light of the tabernacle, this brings a whole other light when it says, and do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. Do not forsake the assembling of that time where the, the nation of Israel would come together and they would sacrifice together and they would celebrate together. And when the priest went in to the altar of incense to burn incense, they would all stand outside and pray because they realized that the altar of incense represented prayer and so they were all outside praying while that's that's happening and that's even happening when John the Baptist's dad goes in and finds out hey John guess what I'm gonna do something with you and your wife yeah you're too old to have children but not for me where was John the Baptist's dad at that time in the Holy of Holies, and he's, he's like freaking out because he's thinking, man, I'm going to die. This isn't how this is supposed to go down. This, this is not what the other priest told me goes down once a year in the Holy of Holies. you know. And, and that's what I'm saying is, is that people need a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ, and it doesn't happen by getting them just to the building. It, gets, it happens because it's alive in you, and it's coming out, and that smell is coming away from your body. And, and no, I'm not talking about not wearing deodorant. All right? Just to be clear. Now, it's really important that you guys are, are realizing that there is a smell, there's a presence of God, and that's, it's, a, it's a metaphor, it's imagery, and it, it should be something that is just part of our lives. Whether you're at home, at work, at school, at the store, wherever you see a need, Allow that prayerful incense to come forth. The other thing is, is you guys ever heard the term pray without ceasing? It takes on new meaning again for me when I think about the altar of the golden altar of incense was always supposed to have that incense burning. It was always in there going. Pray without ceasing. Is that challenging to everybody? See, I, I got the candle because I, I didn't have any incense, and so I got, like I said, it seemed right that we had, um, I think it's a s'more. Seemed like a good camping smell for you guys this morning. But imagine that this isn't a candle, and it's incense, and it's burning 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It doesn't go out. It's always being tended. And we are priests of the Most High. 
And our assignment is to pray without ceasing, to always be tending that prayerful incense that's arising before God. Say, Kenny, how do I pray without ceasing? Have you ever went on a trip with anybody? Probably all of you have. First part of the trip, at least for guys, I think this is true of guys, we probably can talk and talk and talk and talk until we run out of our words. For guys, I forget how many words that is per day, but there's a certain number of words that are kind of the average for men, and then women, their average is way, way up here. And, and you may talk way more uh, in the trip, but I remember I used to, uh, when I drove truck, I'd have somebody, uh, one of the guys in our youth group would be riding with me, and on the way down, it's about 225 miles driving truck, uh, we'd talk pretty much all the way there. Driving on the way back, we might say a few words. They, they could have been contained probably on one sheet of paper on the way back. It was, it was important stuff like, you want to eat lunch? And, and to me, prayer without ceasing is the sense of knowing God's presence is always right there with you and, and that the conversation is always the first one, the first opportunity the opportunity to speak to Jesus. When you see something happening that you know, man, Lord, that's evil. That's, that's so wrong. That our, our first intention is, or first inkling is just Jesus. Do you see that, Lord? Do you see what's going on? What, what can we do? Lord God, heal that individual. Lord, can I, could I be used by you to touch that individual, can I be used by you to intercede? That pray without ceasing shouldn't be that intimidating. It's something that is practiced. It's something, the same thing for the priest, that they would have to come in and, and do some work on it. Praying without ceasing is something that takes some practice. Rachel, how many years have you played the piano? As long as you can remember, that's a long time, I think. So Rachel's played the piano for a long time, but when she started playing the piano, she had to practice a whole lot more than she has to practice now because she had to practice in order to get to a certain skill level. And then if she wants to go to another skill level, she has to practice more. And that's true of us. As we practice prayer, we become more adept at prayer. When we practice his presence, we understand how he's speaking to us much more. So 1 Thessalonians, and I'm ending with this this morning, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always! Say, Kenny, isn't there more to it than that? Yes, there is, but let's pause there for just a second. Rejoice always! The incense is burning always. Rejoice. Then it says, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. And this line is probably the most important line. 
Because people always ask me, what's the will of God? I need to know what the will of God is. And it says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That is the incense that's arising before God's throne. It's the smell that people smell when they encounter your life. Somebody, I, I wrote an email this week to, uh, to some folks, and I said, you know, if we could do these things, this would be really, really good. It would be really helpful in our community. And one of the people uh, that I sent that to replied and said, that's Kenny for you. He's always thinking of something positive we can do. And I thought, yes, that's exactly it. That's the aroma of life that we want people to smell. Sometimes people are going to, like we talked about before. Sometimes people are going to have, a, they're going to smell an aroma of death. But I want them to smell the aroma of life in Jesus Christ, that we're looking for ways to heal our community. We're looking for ways to be a blessing to our community, not just being a negative Nancy all the time. Sorry if anybody's name is Nancy here this morning. Wasn't, wasn't trying to pick on you. So this is the will of God. This incense, this prayer that's taking place And it needs to take place in us more and more and more. How many of you like praying in public? A few of you. Is it ever intimidating? Got a, got a few people. I, I've asked a couple people to pray in fact, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys this real quick. You guys know that the Chamber of Commerce meets, has a lunch the first Monday of every month, meets at the Cody Club. They've been doing that for, I think, close to 90 years. I don't know when they started praying, started having an invocation, but they've been doing it for a lot of years. And I'm... I'm just so blessed by that when I think of the fact that there are, there are an awful lot of places that would have been offended by the fact that they were praying at a chamber event and that we're still doing that. But you guys know that when I go and ask people to do the invocation, I have an awful lot of people backpedaling. I'm not talking about people that maybe don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about people that I know have a relationship with Jesus. But there's one, one fella in particular who tells me, I'll pray anytime you want me to. I, I love to pray. I love to do the invocation. And the funny thing about it is, is if you guys were around him for a little bit, you'd be questioning, well, is he really a Christian? Because there's certain things about his life that you would think, well, Christians don't do that. And yet, He's probably more Christian in his desire to pray and to lead people in prayer than a lot of Christians that I know. And so God's been really messing with my head in that. He's just saying that some people are Christians. I've got people in places that you don't even know about. It's kind of like Elijah, thinking he was the, the lone survivor. And, and God's saying, I still got a bunch of guys. You know, hey, just, Elijah, you're so funny. And, and for, for some of us, we think, 
Christians have to be a certain way, and then they walk into the room, and, and, and that's where Jesus begins to be the center of what's going on. And I want to encourage you, church, Jesus wants to be the center of your life. Jesus wants to be at the center of wherever you are so that he can impact the lives of people around you. And it's not just in a religious prayer. It's in a life lived in honor of him, in honor of the people around you. Amen? That makes sense? Good, because otherwise I'll just keep going. Right, right, Hans? I'm just going to keep going until somebody gets it. All right. Or more endings. Yes, I could do that too. <laughs> well, Lord, thank you for the imagery, the shadow, the pattern that the people of Israel followed. Thank you, God, that there's something for us to learn today in that imagery that, Lord, you're wanting us to have a relationship with you that has an aroma that blesses people, that encourages others around us. And I pray, Lord, not only for myself, but for, for my brothers and sisters here in this room as well, that, Lord, we would be more and more practicing, honing our skill, Lord, to listen to you, to, to understand your voice, and to be able to Receive your instruction and then move with your instruction. As you guide us, as you lead us, Lord, that you would be glorified in all of our lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, for blessing and provision upon each family. I pray for health and wholeness. Lord, let this incense arise before you. Lord, let these prayers arise before you to meet the needs of those that are looking for work, to meet the needs for those, Lord, that are struggling possibly in some form or another, whether it be physical or, uh, Lord, just troubles at work, troubles at school. Lord, we pray, God, that you would be glorified and help us in our time of need. And that, Lord, your name would be the first name on our lips. Lord, to seek you and to have your help. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay.